Okay, welcome to the final episode of Off-Road Inroads. It's Lesby here, and we've got a really great episode lined up for you. So I'm going to start off with just a little recap on, on Big Sugar, the final race in the Lifetime Grand Prix, and just, just give you a feel for the event, give you a feel for what it was like and how, how my race played out. Then uh, I go through a few questions that uh, I received via uh, Instagram sticker, just just asking for what the people want to know for this final episode. And I, you know, tackle a few of those questions on here. And then we have a slightly different setup for the rest of the episode. We don't have any other athletes on, but we have a really great perspective uh, from team manager of Maxis Factory Racing, Drew Eshrick. Uh, him and I have a really great discussion and I think I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And then finally, Haley and I reminisce uh, about the whole season. We take you through the Lifetime Grand Prix race by race. Yeah, share some stories, our favorite moments, talk a little bit about equipment and then yeah just uh kind of relive it so i hope you enjoy it uh and yeah enjoy the show Just after big sugar i put out a sticker on my instagram and just asked for a few questions uh, that I could discuss on the podcast. So we'll get into those in a moment. There's a few good ones and uh, Haley's not here to answer. So it, it'll just be me. Uh, so so we'll see how that goes. But before we do that, we didn't really do an in-depth discussion about Big Sugar in our other parts of this podcast. So I just wanted to just take you through the weekend a little bit. Yeah, just give you a feel for the event. So Big Sugar is the final race in the Lifetime Grand Prix. It's a fairly new race. I think this year was its second running. Uh, The race is a little over 100 miles. It starts in downtown Bentonville, Arkansas. If you haven't heard of Bentonville, you're probably living under a rock. But it seems to be... It's a hotbed for for cycling in general, mountain bike, gravel, off-road, all of it. They have an incredible trail system that they've been building over the last little bit and they're continually adding new trail. Uh, I haven't I haven't actually ridden the trails in Bentonville yet. Uh, we did some XCO racing in Fayetteville. And, you know, the trails were awesome. Course was awesome. Uh, But yeah, looking forward to exploring all the mountain bike stuff in Bentonville um, soon enough. But yeah, Bentonville seems to be sort of a a Disneyland of uh, Disneyland for people that are into bikes, which is which is really cool. It uh, the small town kind of comes alive, very, very much a community feel uh behind the event and yeah that was awesome as far as the course goes this terrain is a bit of a 
bit of a tire slicing terrain. Uh, there's a lot of sharp rocks out, out there, and that was a lot of the kind of narrative going into the race was trying to figure out an equipment setup that would keep air in your tires and get you to the finish line. Uh, the course is also quite punchy. It had about between 2,000 and 2,500 meters of climbing, but no no big climbs over the over the course of the day. Just kind of uh, just steady, just short, short punchy ones. So you know, one to three minutes, let's say, and uh, so just to add up to 20 between 2,000 and 2,500 meters of climbing, you have a lot of those throughout the day. So. It was definitely a race where, uh, a race of attrition and just getting, getting to the end, uh, with, with air in your tires, with your bike functioning and with, with energy in the lead up to the race. Uh, it was, it was pretty busy. Haley, Haley was quite busy with kind of lifetime related stuff, plenty of requests for interviews and that sort of thing. Uh, so on the Thursday, she, she did a short ride, but honestly had a lot of different, uh, responsibilities that day. So I, she rode some of the course, uh, but I went out with Drew in the, in the sprinter and we drove the first 30 kilometers of the course and then I jumped out of the vehicle rode for a couple hours got a feel for the train and then we actually found a pretty sweet swim spot uh just off just after the first feed zone when we were riding along Big Sugar Creek I think it was called uh anyways <laughs> found a sweet little rope swing uh tree jump spot and jumped in the out jumped jumped in the river and that was awesome uh, so yeah, over the two days leading up to the event, Thursday and Friday, uh, between that pre-ride where I got to see about 60k of the course, Haley and I spent about three hours on our bikes on Friday, seeing the last 60 or so kilometers, uh, which was valuable. Uh, it's always, a it's always kind of a balance between how much course you want to see and how fresh you want to be for the race. And it's definitely something that I've been trying to figure out throughout the season. Uh, these races are all quite new to me. And I mean, this one as well, probably quite new to most people just since it's been only running for two years, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, you need to figure out what's important to see on the course, what's going to actually make a difference on race day. And as usual, I think I probably overdid it in, in checking out the course, but I mean, it's tough to say, uh, it's tough to say. Uh, so yeah, the race, we started at 7 30 AM on Saturday morning. Uh, everyone lined up in downtown Bentonville and then uh, we, we, we hit the road and the first section of the track was pavement. Uh, I heard it was supposed to be neutral, but it was not neutral and it was pretty crazy, quite stressful actually. Uh, I think we hit over 70 K an hour riding in a big group, uh, on the pavement in the first little bit. And then 
a lot of uh, a lot of kind of close calls navigating the peloton uh, in in those first ten to twenty kilometers. For me, my race was uh, started out pretty well, uh, but and and was well positioned for the first couple moves of the race. But when the move went, that was you know the key selection uh, for the for the men's race at the front. I I was I was out of position, and and I got popped. So you know, first mistake of the day, but. These gravel races, you kind of never give up because they're long, a lot can happen, and you just kind of have to stay on it. So kind of luckily, a couple other strong riders were also caught out at that point. It was, I mean, it was chaos. It's not surprising that a couple others were caught out. Uh, It was certainly chaos, and I found myself riding with Alexi Vermeulen and and Howie, Howard Grotz. So that was awesome. We just kind of, we got to work. We, we all knew what we had to do and that's just kind of keep that group in sight, keep that Peloton in sight and, you know, just cross our fingers that we might get the opportunity to get back on. Uh, if they slow slightly or if we can carry a little, little more speed through a technical and yeah, that's kind of what we did for the next hour or so chasing. And it was, it was definitely a grind. I I didn't know if we would make it back. We just had to try. And yeah, at one point I was able to go off the front of our little group of three and I almost caught on uh, t- to the back of the peloton when it got stretched out on a technical descent. But alas, I didn't make it. Uh, the group of two chasing caught me and then we were back together, group of three. On a particularly climby section, how we actually capitalized on it and and got on. Uh, he made it back, and then it was and then it was Alexi and I, and then Braden. Uh, he he must have suffered a little puncture or something like that. He joined our group, uh, and then they dropped me, and then they made a wrong turn. So now I was in front. Anyways, this is the way gravel races go. In the end, we got. We got lucky. We got pretty close to the Peloton, and then Alexi turned back to us, to us, and he was like, "Okay, this is this is go time." And we were all in. We sent it. It was probably two minutes of absolutely full gas racing to get on, and we made it. And once we got there, it was like a sigh of relief. We made it. It was, uh. Yeah, there were a lot of lot of satisfaction in that, which was funny because you know we were only we didn't even hit the first feed zone, but we had we had worked really hard and we we made it back and we were we were back in the race. So, as you can imagine, that you know really was not planning on that was not planning on that deep an effort that early on. So. So, yeah, we did that, but uh, that definitely affected the back end of my race. Uh, nothing special out there for me anyways it was just kind of riding through trying to ride well uh, and trying to keep an eye on the overall and who I had to kind of finish ahead of of going into the finish and I was I went in at I 
started this race in ninth place overall and it was super tight to Lachlan and Rob just in front of me and uh I had a I had a slightly cleaner race than both of those those guys and was able to uh finish ahead of them in the finish and then unfortunately Payson uh was not able to start the final race and since he missed Sea Otter he didn't have a kind of a drop race to lean back on so um, that was kind of him out of the running. So I was able to, you know, due to, you know, smooth riding, uh, you know, continuing to ride, uh, even after getting dropped from the lead group pretty early on, I, I made it, I made it to the finish in a good spot and yeah, moved up three spots in the overall, which I'm, which I'm pretty proud of. And, uh, yeah, it's just so interesting to look back on the whole season all the six different races, all the moments when you had to dig really deep to for those just for those extra spots, for those extra points. And, you know, it all matters. And in the end, um, I finished up six then, you know, with not too many points to spare. So, yeah, always interesting to look back on all that stuff. But uh, Haley had a great ride. We talked a little bit about it when we were discussing Big Sugar at the end, and I'm sure you've read her Instagram on just how it all played out. But yeah, she was definitely a you know a champion out there. She uh, did sh- did what she needed to do to seal up the overall, and then rode really courageously in the in the group uh, that she was riding with at the end when she didn't really have to. She did a lot of work, and you know was absolutely spent at the finish, which was cool to see and a nice way to way for her to finish the season. So I have a few questions here from some people that responded to uh, the question sticker on Instagram, just asking for, you know, what they want to know about uh, for this episode of, of Off-Road Inroads. And uh, first of all, shout out to Oliver of Durham Forest. Uh, he asks... What was you, how was your experience at the Lifetime Grand Prix? Uh, first off, Oliver, thanks for being so supportive of Haley and I all season long. Uh, we love getting messages from you. And uh, yeah, I hope all is well with you. Uh, so for our experience at Lifetime Grand Prix, my experience, I mean, overall, it was, it was very good. Uh, I think the biggest thing was that being part of this series gave me uh access to all these races these are all a lot of these races unbound leadville they're kind of legendary races and it's not always simple to get race entries for them uh there's usually a lottery system in place that kind of thing uh so just to be able to start all these events uh, i feel really grateful for and yeah, overall the experience, it, you know, I've I've told this story a lot, but I I just really enjoyed the variety. Uh the variety and the learning. Each race was a new opportunity to uh put myself in challenging situations and see see what happens. So, yeah, I really I really enjoyed that. We've got another question here. Uh, best all-around bike setup for gravel races: uh, suspension, bars, tire size, etc. Yeah, I mean that's a really tricky question. The thing about gravel is that it is so, you know, 
regional. Uh, the terrain that each part of the world or part of the country that are putting on these races is different and kind of different different bike requirements if you really want to optimize it. If you're just kind of looking for a setup that does most things really well, I think you can't go wrong with a 40C tire. I'm a real advocate for running inserts on the gravel bike just so you can run a little lower pressure to smooth smooth the terrain out. Uh, suspension, I, you know, I... That one, I think it depends on where you're riding. If you are a rider that loves to venture off into rough single track or have particularly rough gravel, 100%, get yourself a Fox Taper Cast. It's a, it's a really cool experience. And if you're not worried about the little bit of extra weight, I don't see any, any major downsides to running it, running it all the time. Uh, handlebars... Uh, that's an interesting one. I, uh, I'm learning a little bit more about what I like for, you know, a handlebar. Uh, I've been testing, uh, I have a Easton prototype bar that I haven't thrown on yet, but, uh, that's something I'm going to be doing in the off season. And it's just a, a gravel specific bar, a little bit of an arrow top, and then a very slight flare, uh, and, you know, I think that's going to be a really good setup for, for the gravel bike. We've got a question here from Mackenzie Myatt, uh, fellow East coast, uh, athlete, uh, kind of international national level athlete. So thanks for the question, Mackenzie. Uh, her question is what specific things do you do to maintain con- consistency throughout the season? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, this season, I think altogether, I had 33 race days uh, between, you know, the Lifetime Grand Prix races, a couple gravel stage races, all the mountain bike stuff, World Cups, that kind of thing. Uh, so that's quite a bit of racing. And yeah, maintaining consistency is is a challenge. But I think you know, just with the the number of years I have in the sport, the number of years I've had to, you know, experience this whole whole thing, I think I've taken away a few kind of lessons. And yeah, to add to that too, I mean, I think I'm a fairly consistent rider. I'm not, I don't, I don't really have these wild swings in performance, these crazy highs and lows. And, and that's definitely by design, my approach to racing is, you know, try to try to be consistently well or try to do consistently well, raise the floor of performance instead of like reaching for those peaks. And, you know, on a good day when the stars align, uh, you know, maybe you'll have the opportunity to go for a really big result or for a win or something like that. Uh, so I think part of that is just not putting too much pressure on any one event and just trying to be, uh, you know, consistently good instead of trying to just knock it out of the park once or twice a year. I think having a really good base, like, uh, uh, doing a lot of 
easy miles to set up set yourself up for success and for me that comes comes into play with just a lot of volume in December, January, February and then touching up on that throughout the season. I think that plays a big part. And then yeah, for this year I think part of the consistency that uh part, part of the reason why I was able to be maybe even more consistent than previous years was that I was really engaged in the racing I was doing because it was all a little bit new to me and there was a lot of variety. So I don't think if I was doing all the same races, for example, a series or a season of just XCOs, I don't think I would be able to be as consistent. Uh, so this this variety allowed me to... Um, yeah, just keep it rolling a little more steady. Got another question here. Why did the mountain bikers seem to have an advantage? Uh, well, I mean, to be honest, the, the off-road riding skills just, just play a really big part for, for starters, there's three mountain bike races. So, so yeah, they, you know, the mountain bikers gain an advantage there, but also the mountain bikers, they're quite skilled on the bike and they, they definitely, you know, even though typically they race for shorter distances, they, they do a lot of, you know, high volume training. They spend a lot of time on the road, uh, on the gravel bike training for the races. So it's kind of like, typically I would say, Physically, they're as good as the gravel specialists, but uh, maybe have a slight edge on technical technical ability. Uh, I I know for me personally, the one area that I struggle with with uh, coming from the mountain bike is just the the really long, steady efforts, uh, and it's definitely something I need to work on for next year. But that would that would be like my disadvantage coming in as a mountain biker is you know and being on the pedals really steady on the pedals on unrelenting terrain like unbound just on the pedals for 10 hours it's really hard and it's a very different effort than a you know a punchy mountain bike race where you have lots of opportunity for short little bits of recovery so yeah i think mostly we have an advantage there's definitely some disadvantages like i shared uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll also see, it'll be interesting how it all plays out next year with everyone having a little more familiarization with the events, with the demands of the events, you know, I think we'll see that gap between, you know, your so-called gravel racers and mountain bike racers shrink a little bit. And I think eventually it'll just be, you know, you're an off-road racer and you're quite good at all those things. Uh, so yeah, that'll be interesting to follow. We've got another question here from Ryan Cross. Ryan's involved with uh, the organization of these races, and I I met him at Big Sugar. So thanks for the question, Ryan. Uh, he asks how how did you guys manage the challenging travel schedule and maintain such a high level? So this is a good question. I I really don't know how we did it. I don't think. Me personally, I didn't, I 
didn't absolutely excel at this. I definitely made some mistakes throughout the year. Case in point is my ride at Leadville. I was absolutely spent and it was kind of predictable. I had raced straight through from Crusher in the Tusher to Leadville uh, with three World Cups uh, and a national mountain bike championship that was really hot and really took it out of me. So yeah, I think, I mean, that was the one kind of low light in terms of managing the schedule. And I, I don't think I did it well. Haley did it much better than me. She listened to her body and, uh, she actually sat out Montsanan and that ended up being a major, you know, that saved her for sure. She, she had a really good ride at Leadville and um yeah just broke up that block a little bit did a bit of training and it it made a big difference so and then one more we'll answer one more question um this one's from rob Britton. uh got to know rob a lot this year and it was it was a lot of fun you know being uh having a fellow canadian there uh at these races and uh just trying to learn from him we we rode together a lot at bcbr gravel as well and Uh, Rob just has a depth of experience that I don't have from his career on the road. So it's been, it's been fun to get to know him and, uh, ride with him. His is, his question is more of a comment just saying that, uh, I think we had six, six or seven Canadian athletes of the, of the 60 in, in the Grand Prix on the men's and women's sides. And four of us finished in the top 10. And that was, that's actually pretty impressive. We had obviously Haley win. uh, And then myself, Adam Roberge and Rob, both in the top, all in the top 10 for the, the men's standings. And yeah, I think that's, it's really cool to see. Uh, love to see that Canadian representation there. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what what there is to that, but I mean, obviously Canada, we have some great athletes up here. I think it will only grow. I think as this kind of racing expands throughout the U the US and hopefully we get some, you know, these big marquee races in Canada as well. I think we'll only see that number grow and uh yeah, we're coming for you, US. So that's it for the questions. Thanks. Thanks for all those. Thanks everyone for sending those questions in a little bit of a different setup for this final episode. Now we will get into my interview slash conversation with Drew Eshrick, team manager of Maxis Factory Racing. I hope you enjoy that. And then after that, we'll be back with Haley and me hanging out, reminiscing about the season, and just taking you through all the races. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Drew. Uh, Off-road, in-roads, presented by your team, Max's Factory <laughs> Racing. Um, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. Glad to be here. Uh virtually yeah totally uh we're up at the end of the season we just did our last race at big sugar 
over the weekend and Haley and I thought it would be kind of cool to, you know, have a chat with Drew. Drew's our team manager uh, at Max's Factory Racing and yeah, just get a slightly different perspective, uh, you know, not from an athlete, but from a, a team manager, mechanic, uh, janitor, everything um, that uh, that Drew is. So just to start off, Drew, just can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your kind of background or history in the bike industry? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, Drew Eshrick, uh, I'm the like you said, the the manager, head mechanic, uh, owner, janitor, van driver of Max's Factory Racing. Um, so I'm I'm all of the staff, um, and um, we are a new team this year for for 2022. Started up brand new from scratch, um, with lots of help from lots of great folks in the industry, and and here we are. Um, I've been in the the cycling industry for for quite a number of years. Been doing the the traveling roadshow kind of thing for um, probably about ten years. Um, I was with uh, my my most recent job prior to starting the team was with Stan's No Tubes. I was with them for six and a half years. Um, when I left, I was the national events manager, so handling all the logistics and event planning, event sponsorship, all that kind of fun stuff with, with no tubes. Um, I was also, uh, before that neutral service for Shimano in Canada, uh, Shimano here in America. <laughs> um, yeah. and, uh, so I was, uh, the off-road, uh, neutral service guy. So I drove a truck and trailer around, a mountain bike races, national championships, all that kind of stuff. Um, for Shimano. And before that, I was a, I was a demo guy for Raleigh and LaPierre bicycles, just driving a van around the country, not living anywhere and, uh, getting, getting butts on bikes. Um, and, you know, kind of started in the industry and in bike shops, just like most people who get into this. Um, so worked in, in bike shops for a bunch of years through college after college and, and then kind of, uh, transitioned into the industry rather than being in retail. Cool. And then in addition to that, you also have a degree, correct? I do. I have a uh, very expensive college degree that I pay for. Uh, well, I haven't paid for it in, in about two years because that's <laughs> been on on pause. Um, but I have a, a degree in kinesiology from Penn State University. Cool. Yeah, that's an interesting combo. Like um, that kind of gives you a little bit more of a depth of understanding supporting athletes uh yeah uh, when when you guys talk about your your power and training and periodization yeah. I, I vaguely know what those things are yeah totally um yeah so uh you mentioned something in there shimano shimano or shimano shimano uh what what do we actually say on the team like do we use the canadian version do we use the u.s version I use the Canadian version when I'm around you guys, and I use the American version when I'm around the Americans. <laughs> you're a you're a chameleon. Uh, I am. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we've we've had several team conversations throughout the year about just the differences in language or different words between America and Canada, and it's always always a good time. Uh, so you made the move from stands how did how did this all play out uh and how did you become team owner well it's 
uh, a relatively interesting story, I guess. Um, it wasn't something that I I set out to do and was like, oh, I'm starting a team, I'm leaving this job, I'm out of here. It was uh, the 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 guys at at Maxis uh, actually approached me uh, to see if I was interested in doing it. There had been some um, some conversations going on in the background. Uh, the Cliff team was no longer going to continue racing, going to continue to exist. So. Um, Dave Mack from the the longtime manager of the the Cliff team and Duncan from Maxis were uh, starting some preliminary conversations and chatting about what a, a new team might look at like and and trying to maybe carry over some of those um, pieces of the Cliff program, athletes, staff, that kind of thing, and and kind of roll it over and. Um, things ended up not working out exactly how they were discussing, but they had started the conversation um, forward enough to kind of continue pursuing it. And that's when uh, Duncan reached out to me to kind of gauge my interest. And I worked with Dave to ta- kind of button down some uh, sponsors and get everything rolling and talk to athletes. I talked to a bunch of different athletes um, in enduro, cross country, gravel, uh, kind of all over the all over the spectrum there i've talked to talk to americans canadians all, all sorts um ended up with my two lovely canadian cross-country racers uh, <laughs> who had never raced any gravel before and uh two enduro racers who i'd never met before <laughs> that's awesome it all Very worked cool. out pretty good yeah i mean pretty pretty impressive first season uh so you had the bme overall win with with cole Mm-hmm. And then lifetime Grand Prix overall win with with Haley. Like those are those are the biggest series in those disciplines, and yeah, you won them. So pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> well, the yeah, athletes yeah. the athletes won them, but you obviously I, I stood in those parking lots. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, There's a lot of waiting around for bike races to be over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> w- what has been the biggest challenge you think like setting up this team uh what what were the biggest hurdles you had to uh had to jump uh i'd say the the one of the biggest hurdles was the start of the year um we're a brand new team we don't have any carryover stuff we didn't have last year's bikes we didn't have old kit that we could race in we didn't have uh, any of that stuff. It was all brand new. So it was, it took a lot of piecing stuff together. There was a lot of stuff that didn't exist. We didn't get our Shimano uh, <laughs> sponsorship or, or not sponsorship shipment, excuse me, um, until uh, we were a couple months into the season. Same thing with our, our Fox shipment. Like that stuff takes time to arrive. And when you pull a team together at the the very last moment at the end of the year um a lot of that stuff gets gets delayed even further than it normally would on top of you know pandemic related demand delays um supply chain etc etc so um that was that was tough getting all that together but um we had some cobbled together bikes with some uh blue collar uh groups and builds and we still went out there and built beat a lot of people on those bikes and it was great um yeah that's that's always always tough all the all the planning all the travel all the moving parts and pieces um is 
it's always tough to organize, but um, that's that's kind of my specialty and and why I guess I got singled out to to try and put this thing together. Very cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's very cool that you were approached for this, and I think it's also cool that you you kind of just said yes to the opportunity and sent it, and on a pretty short timeline, pulled it all together. Yeah, um, I. I have a very small cycling industry chip on my shoulder because I'm never the first choice. Um, I wasn't the first choice when I applied to be the demo guy and people turned the job down, the offers, and they offered to me and I took it. Same thing with Shimano. I wasn't the the first choice there. Ended up take, getting the job and loving it and I, I you know i like to think excelling at it yeah um and that's that's kind of gone the same way i wasn't the first choice to to run this team but i've taken it and run with it and proved that i was the right choice yeah that's awesome that's uh i didn't know that part of the story but that's that's a cool one and uh yeah uh what does your day-to-day look like in this role like and it's obviously different when you're on the road with us or on the road with the enduro athletes. Uh, but yeah, what, what do those two kind of day-to-days look like? Um, it really depends, um, on what we're doing, what the, the race is like, what the rules are, um, surrounding the races. Sometimes you're allowed to go out on course. Sometimes you're not, if it's a, xco we you know i take you you and Haley to the the race course and you guys do your practice laps and we pack the stuff up and go home and i wash the bikes and get everything ready for the next day um gravel stuff tends to be a little more um course recon so we either go out in the van or like when we were in uh utah for for tusher uh we got to take a sweet side by side courtesy of our, our friends at hyper threads out for some course recon and had a great afternoon riding around in that thing thank, um, and thank you hyper threads that was uh that was one of the highlights of the season for sure and yeah i remember drew having a blast driving yeah and i th- think it was super valuable because you got to see a lot of the course that you wouldn't um necessarily get to see and um you know i wouldn't have that much fun driving the big van on no. um and then on on the enduro like day to day at a race uh it's it's relatively boring i mean i i get everything ready to go in the morning and we are with the tires and then they go ride their bikes and i just kind of sit around and hope they don't break anything yeah totally <laughs> kind of wait for them to show up back at the tent with you know a dented in wheel or uh blown out tire or whatever but um you know thankfully it doesn't happen that often and we do, we just keep rolling from day to day and making sure every all the equipment's in, in tip top shape and we're uh ready to go whether it's race day or practice day and cool yeah that's uh i mean yeah there's there's a lot that goes on you're probably underselling it a little bit um you make it sound really simple and i mean from my perspective i think you're doing a little bit more and i think part of the I mean, part of being on a team is traveling together and creating a good uh, environment in kind of everything we do. And I think I think you're doing that really well. So like the soft skills are coming through <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, so the Lifetime Grand Prix, we just finished up. Uh, we finished up at Big Sugar in Bentonville. 
we were at the Disneyland of bikes for a few days and uh that was pretty good. Uh and in that that was the end of the lifetime grand prix. We're we're done the series, the overall um it's all finished up. Haley finished uh first, which is amazing. Uh I finished up sixth. Um still amazing. Still pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> we 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 can improve upon it for sure. Um but yeah, what when did you first hear about the Lifetime Grand Prix? Um, because it's you know, it's the first year for it. It's never happened before. Um and they they just pulled it together. So when did you hear about it and what were your kind of initial thoughts about it? Oh, when did I hear about it? I I I heard rumors of it um probably midsummer uh of last year. Uh, working with with no tubes in the, in the event capacity, we did some some events with Lifetime, so I knew some folks there and, and had conversations with them. So I heard little little bits and pieces and rumors of a series that was coming together and um, what that was going to look like and who they were trying to get for sponsors and and this and that. Um, uh, as far as like the full series launch, I probably didn't hear about it much before everyone else did and they like announced it and started taking applications so um i i knew it was coming but didn't know all the all the finer details of it um and then they they announced it and they had their their application um to be part of the series and they were limiting the entries and i thought it was a, a really interesting format um and was really intrigued to see who they would select to be part of the series. Yeah. And um, yeah, you didn't, you know, I remember you didn't really put any pressure on us to apply. It was sort of, if you wanted to, I don't think we were getting pressure from our sponsors to apply, um, which is, which is cool. We, uh, one of the races we have to do, um, I guess we're, we get to do it as well, but uh, Maxis really likes to see us at Unbound, so that was definitely going to be one that we had to do, and that was part of the series. And yeah, Haley and I were pretty intrigued as well, just to just to be part of this new thing. And luckily, we got in. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it turned out great. Um, it's it's always interesting to see how something new like this series comes together. Um, I think there are are things that they can do better. I think there are things that they did great. Um, yeah, and um, we'll we'll see kind of how it evolves into next year and and what changes are going to come about. If there's going to be different races or more races or fewer races, if there's going to be more or less athletes, if there's going to be a different process for getting in, it's you know you never know what what's going to change. But um, overall, I. I I think it was a pretty good experience for all of us. It was it was something different for for everyone. Uh, I had been to uh, a number of the events that are are part of the series. It was all brand new for you guys, so it was yeah. uh, all all new and pretty exciting. But um, yeah, I, th- I think it was it was neat, and hopefully, it gets eyeballs on on bike racing and, and makes it interesting for the the general public not just the uh the people who are already part of the the small circle that is bike racing 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and I think that's, I mean, that that is one of their goals. That was one of, you know, the one of the reasons why they kind of limited it, limited the numbers just so they could focus on individual stories and, you know, work on that, uh, I guess, that audience and trying to build that um, for off-road racing in, in uh, North America. So you've done some of these events before in your other roles. What, what, what was the difference this year? Did you, was there a like difference in energy at these races? How did, how did having the deep fields of the GP change the events? Do you think, or, or, you know, positively or negatively or, or whatever? Uh, definitely made some of the races faster. Uh, having really, really top tier talent, um, was, was, you know, breaking course records at unbound and, uh, did, uh, did Keegan also break the horse record at Leadville? Uh, no, he didn't do Leadville. He was like a couple minutes off, but he did do Tusher. And I think Haley got, was maybe like kind of second at Tusher. Second from for the record, yeah, yeah. So uh, it 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 created more competitiveness at these these races. I think it um, some of them some of the races can stand alone by themselves and and not need the series to prop them up. Unbound is always going to be a huge race. Leadville is always going to be a huge race. But to to wrap everything together in the series makes it um, compelling. Um, just on, on my end of things where, you know, I've gone to unbound, I've done support for coworkers and racers and, and, you know, other, other people that are, are racing. Um, but to have it be my team and and my athletes that's out there racing, it's, it, you know, kind of cranks up the adrenaline a little bit. There's more nerves, you're worried oh i hope everything goes right did i mess anything up on the bikes i hope you know the air stays in the tires all that kind of stuff you're you're just kind of keyed up waiting for having to go into action but um you know knock on knock on wood we had had pretty good luck at just about everything didn't have to uh do too much to to make sure we got to the finish line yeah for sure so i mean you're a pretty chilled out dude how do you i feel like as a team mechanic manager kind of there must be a little bit of like low level stress the whole time that you can't actually act on because you can't that's why i have all this gray hair (laughs) yeah it's kind of weird like i haven't i guess i haven't really done it yeah I, i haven't been on on your side of things yet but yeah it's kind of an interesting thing at unbound we're out there for 10 hours 11 hours, something like that. And you see us for literally like a grand total of a minute, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. Um, but obviously you're out there for the full, you're out there for the full 10 hours. Driving yeah. around, getting set up, having everything perfect. Um, you mentioned that's kind of stress of preparing the bikes, keeping air in the tires, that sort of thing that, you know, at least the stuff that you have control over. Haley and I had on the, throughout the Grand Prix, we actually had like a really clean run, uh, knock wood, but 
yeah, clean run with mechanicals. Um, I don't know what Haley's most major mechanical was, but my most major mechanical, which is laughable, is just a chain coming off on some washboard and me, you know, just shifting it down with my front trailer and getting the chain back on. Uh, so pretty basic. But um, what do you think the most important things are that you did that felt that, that made that possible? Because like, uh, you're the one taking care of the bikes. Uh, and you play a huge role in that. I mean, it's just having your hands on them regularly. It's seeing them often enough. Uh, obviously, you guys are away from me sometimes like you go out you go home you train um so you do have the bikes away from from me but um you know we we show up i'm able to get my hands on the bikes right away we put fresh tires on or change wheels or do whatever we have to do so the bike is in is in pristine working condition and then even right after you know we do course recon or or practice or, or whatever um i immediately am, am back on on the bikes making sure everything is is in the condition that it needs to be. I check with you guys that everything working. Okay. You, you know, that, that way you let me know, Oh, you know, it was kind of hanging up between these two gears or, or whatever. So we can make sure that it's exactly the way that it needs to be. Um, having the equipment is a big part of that battle. So having chains to replace when they wear out, having uh maxis behind us. So we always have fresh tires. So we're not having to use something that's worn out or maybe already has a couple punctures in it. Um, we don't have to worry about it. We can just put something that's that's new, ready to go on there. Um and and hopefully not worry about it. Um at a certain point it just becomes kind of a, a routine, I guess. Yeah. Um and in, when when it's part of the routine and you're always going through it, then you can always be sure that it's um the way that it needs to be versus being someone who's never seen this bike before and you're just showing up and 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 just seeing it for the first time. You don't exactly know how everything went together and um what's been done to it and how it's been raced and treated and all those kind of things. And uh I've done everything to those bikes. I built them from the frame to nothing and shipped them to you guys and I see them at all the races and and yeah, you know, now it's now it's the end of the season and I'll be sad because I won't see them for for <laughs> three months. Well you might never see them. We might get rid of them before you uh ever touch them <laughs> again. Uh yeah, that's that's definitely a possibility. Yeah. Yeah that's uh yeah thanks for that sharing all that stuff it's it does feel like it just did became a routine throughout the season and there wasn't there wasn't any major stress surrounding it we just kind of did our thing you did your thing and yeah it seemed to work out in these tech zones at the races so it's all different like as we talked about unbound is a different setup than well there was no tech zone in tusher you couldn't do anything there you went out for breakfast I did. Uh, I went out to breakfast with a couple other mechanics because we weren't allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So all these races are so different. Um, but what what was the kind of most wild story from the sidelines or the tech zones of these races from from the season? Boy, um, man, I feel like there's always something that's like a little wild, like. Uh, at Big Sugar, for example, uh, Lackland disappeared. Okay. Through the through the first feed zone, uh, he came through slightly off the front with Howard Grotz. Uh, 
quickly followed by the, the the lead chase group of men that you were in and then the the second feed tech zone feed zone whatever you want to call it um is 50 miles later and he was just gone he wasn't in a group he wasn't chasing uh tom the the ef mechanic had no idea where he was he hadn't heard from him uh eventually we heard from someone that he had some sort of massive mechanical and was and it was picked up by a uh a car on course but like yeah he just just disappeared he went yeah. from the lead to just gone so i mean that's that's one of the more wild ones um otherwise i mean most people try and keep it you know relatively mellow you come through you do your feed you do whatever you need to do there's always certain you know people mechanics whatever who come in they're like yelling and panicked and something's gone insanely wrong but it's it's usually you know not something that's totally unexpected they've flatted or broken a wheel or something something has gone awry but um i don't know if that i can think of anything else that was just what about absolutely bananas what about i mean this isn't bananas but what about haley's feed at the first feed zone at big sugar yeah um haley came through we we had we had planned to to start the race with just bottles and then take a uh, hydration pack at the first feed uh just so she didn't have to start with the extra weight and then it would get warmer throughout the day um it ended up not getting as as warm as we thought it was going to so uh as Haley was was coming up the road she just kind of yelled out bottle and i was ready i had a bottle in my hand and 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 the hydration pack so i i held out the bottle um and in the gravel races everyone's racing at the same time so there was uh, a, a guy in the men's field racing with Haley at the time who just reached out and tried to snag the bottle out of my hand uh which i was very unhappy about um but was not in like i'm letting go of this bottle mode so he basically like forcefully knocked it out of my hand it broke the bottle it spilled the 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 drink all over the ground um but i had um i had already sent my wife slightly down the road uh, with another bottle because I was I was doing my my planning thing, which is is what I do. I, I plan, um, and I was thinking that if Haley came through the tech zone and wanted to take the hydration pack, but also wanted a bottle, it would be very hard for me to do both of those things. So I sent my wife Katie down the road and was like, "Okay, if she comes through and takes this hydration pack, she might also want a bottle. Just have this ready." And thankfully, she was down there and had a bottle ready because when this bottle catastrophe happened, um, we were we were still ready and got our feed, and she was able to to keep racing without having to stop. That's awesome! <laughs> Planning and Katie to the rescue. Yeah, yeah, what, exactly. So that was that was that Katie's first ever feed in a bike race. Or did uh, she, no, where did she help us? She did. She did dumps at mountain bike nationals. She did dumps at Mountain Bike Nationals. Yeah. Um, and where else? I think we had Bria stepping in for some of the races too. For yes. for some feed zone duty. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of that. It, it it all depends. I think Katie's mostly done dump bottles before. Um, not necessarily a feed, but it's the same concept. You take yeah. something out of, out of her hand. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she crushed it. 
Um, I feel like another story, and maybe I just remember all these stories better than you, but I remember um, second feed zone at Unbound hearing a story about Haley just sculling a Red Bull extremely fast. (laughs) Yeah, the uh, she came through the the second feed zone, and we had like a, a little table set up so you could change out your hydration pack. We had snacks and food and drinks and yeah, with a race that long, you want to have options because you're often tired of eating or drinking whatever you've been eating or drinking. So we had all sorts of stuff ready. Uh, you asked for uh, egg McMuffins, which I was unable to deliver, but had some other sort of breakfast sandwich that you still took. Oh yeah. Um, that, that's a good one. But um yeah, Haley came through the second feed zone at Unbound, which is like 150 miles in, uh, just some other sort of number of kilometers, um, and came in super chipper. Hey guys, big smile, cracks open this Red Bull, slams it in half a second, says, <laughs> see you later, and hops back on her bike. And uh, some of the, the guys from Maxis were there doing uh, like neutral support. And they all looked at me like, that's the fastest I've ever seen anyone drink a Red Bull ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. When I mean, when you need the fuel, you uh, you get it in. I guess. Yeah. 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 What a season. Like uh, even just I mean, some of these just reminiscing about these stories is some of the best part because uh, I don't know, lots of lots of good times throughout the season. And uh, yeah, it was a good year. Yeah, I mean, nothing beats uh, some some shirtless hill climbs with Cole in Arizona. Uh, shirtless hill climbs. Yeah, that was a, <laughs> that was a good start to the season. That was definitely a good start. Yeah, that's kind of all the honestly. That's all the questions I had had for you, Drew. The I mean, it's been a it's been a cool season. You know, doing this lifetime Grand Prix. I feel like we we all learned a lot. Um, I don't know if there's any major takeaways for you, um, but on the bike, I learned a ton. Definitely make a few changes for next year. Anything that you're kind of taking away from this whole experience, this whole series? <sighs> I'm, I'm the takeaway? I don't know, man. I mean, it's 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 a grind. I'm excited to, to try and, and do it again. And, uh, you know, it's it's always fun to win. So I, I like like doing that we should do more of that but yeah um i don't know no it was it was great it was fun i enjoyed it and you know i wouldn't want to have a different job or different bike racers or, or anything like that everything was was great um i mean what what's what stood out to you what was your favorite place that you got to visit this year you got Honestly, to see so much of our beautiful country so many more states uh knocked off the list i don't at the beginning of the year at team camp i think uh haley and i were comparing the number of states we'd been to and i think we were in like the low 20s uh something like that but we're probably well over 30 by now with you know idaho arkansas i mean we were in what was the state we were in for part of the day at big missouri Missouri. Yeah. Went to Missouri. Kind of didn't even know it. Um, so yeah, lots of cool places. Idaho was a big surprise. I had no idea they had mountains. Um, 
Prep. That's because you got it confused with Iowa. Yeah, this is true. Um, I thought they just grew potatoes there and that was it, but they have some beautiful, beautiful mountains. Uh, Prescott, Arizona. That was a pretty cool place and a really cool experience with Whiskey 50. Uh, probably one of my, probably one of my favorites of the year. All it's, it was, it was all good. And even, even the, like the less we stayed in Milford, Utah, which is not a place any of you have ever heard about, but it, it was its own experience. Uh, we stayed at a, this was for Tasher. We stayed at a diner. Well, we checked in for the hotel at the diner. The diner was a central part of the hotel. And we ate several meals there and it was very, I would say authentic and yeah, just, just lots of interesting new experiences. So overall, overall some good times. Yeah, most certainly. Oh, that diner was good times. Yeah. Okay. On that note, um, Drew, thank you so much for the time, kind of giving us another perspective from the season, from this series. And yeah, looking forward to doing it all again next year. Yeah, can't wait. Awesome. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our final episode of Off-Road Inroads. It's a, a little bit bittersweet, but here we are at the the end of the season. Uh, we finished up with Big Sugar just a little over a week ago, eight days now. Uh, and so far, we've been really enjoying our off-season. Uh, and we figured for this last episode that Andrew, Lesby, and I would just take you through the season and uh, reminisce on some of the best moments, probably some of the worst moments, too. And yeah, just reflect on what ended up being a pretty cool and unique year. Yeah, I, I think this this episode will be super relaxed. It's Haley and I just chilling at home. I'm enjoying a beer. Haley's sitting next to me and we're just gonna we're just gonna see what happens really. So yeah, how should we start this thing off? Uh, it feels like a lifetime ago that we no, no pun intended started uh the series back in uh, in california at sea otter classic and uh since then over the past six and a half months we've been racing about once a month and it's a lot of stories from from this racing it's been a it's been quite a journey yeah i mean that undersells it a little bit we we raced in the lifetime grand prix once a month but we've probably had I don't know, 30 or 40 race days all taken together um, just with the other disciplines and other series that we were doing. But yeah, the, the Lifetime Grand Prix was one race sort of every month and it was, every race was so different. They were, I mean, they ranged from two and a half hours to 11 and a half hours. So it was a really, really wide breadth of challenge that the series provided us. Uh, and it probably gave us a lot of, we got a lot out of it that we didn't expect to. I know for me personally, in terms of relationships and just connection to the other riders. And I feel like I actually made some really good friends, which is a wonderful way to walk away from the season and not something I've ever really experienced in XCO racing before. Not to say I don't have friends in XCO, but it's just a very different, different vibe. So lots of positives that we've taken away from it, but I guess I think a good way to look back on the season would just be to 
revisit each of the races and, and talk about what surprised us. And then maybe we can talk about our overall, the flavor we're left with, the aftertaste after such a long, long year. Yeah, just before we do that, I just want to, you know, comment what you said about community there. I think there's probably something to that. These these races, they're definitely bike races, but they're also challenges. And, you know, everyone's out there together. You can't really get through it alone. You're always um, teaming up with someone out there and, you know, trying to get to the finish until you're not, until you're racing uh, racing head to head to, to try to beat that competitor. So, uh, it's definitely an interesting series, definitely quite new, new to us, new style of racing to us. And, and we thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. The first race was back in April, I believe mid April, uh, Sea Otter classic. Uh, and that was the first mountain bike race. And that's kind of where Team MTB stamped uh, stamped their force on, on, the, on the series. Yeah, I mean, looking back at it, I think it's so funny that Sea Otter ended up being the most technical race. If you have not been to Sea Otter and you would classify yourself as a mountain biker primarily, uh, Sea Otter is not technical by those standards. So... Um, it, it, it did end up like separating the field right away. Uh, and it, it very, it very clearly, uh, favored the riders who were comfortable handling bikes off road. And that trend continued throughout the year. Uh, I, we, we have to mention that, I mean, Mariah won that race and it's really, really sad that we didn't get to see what she was capable of the rest of the year. And it feels particularly odd to me to have won the series knowing that I wasn't able to compete against her. Um, I remember at Sea Otter, the, <laughs> in the first single track, I had been just gapped off the leading five, I guess it was. And Mariah was wearing a, a black kit and I didn't know who she was at that time. And I remember being behind her in the single track and, um, you know, wanting to open it up a little bit more, wishing I could get up to the leaders. And then as soon as we came to a double track, she absolutely dusted me, like left me behind, like I was standing still. And I was like, Oh, I need to find out who this girl was. And it turned out that it was, it was Mariah. So a little bit of a bittersweet memory there. The the first time I got to race her. Um, but I also had a great memory that Lesbie just asked me about where without knowing it, it was the first time I met Sarah Sturm. And throughout the series, we ended up racing together almost every round and we became really good friends. But um, yeah, about 15 or 20 minutes into Sea Otter, uh, Sarah and I ended up together in what seemed what seems now to be like almost a, a, I don't know, I don't know what you'd call it, but like prophetic of what the series would bring. And it was just the two of us chasing head down on a gravel road together until we came to the single track and I was able to break away. But at the time I was thinking like, who is this girl? She's working so hard. And it's just funny that we were stuck in no man's land together. And that ended up being pretty much the theme of our year. Uh, So yeah, lots of good memories from Sea Otter. I don't know. I know Keegan ended up winning that race but Lesby, i believe that was probably the closest you were to the to the winning group all year do you want to do you remember how it went down 
That was honestly one of my favorite races. I, for some reason, I love racing at Sea Otter. Just a lot of good memories there. And uh, that's, I mean, that's where I met my wife, Haley. Uh, and so I, I guess that's definitely one of the, one of the memories. Uh, but yeah, Sea Otter this year, I remember the start being absolutely insane. Uh, I don't think the film crew driving the Mazda off the start really understood how fast we roll off the line in a kind of full-on XCO start. Uh, so we quickly caught the, the vehicle and then they uh, they had to step on it to get out of the way. But yeah, crazy start. Uh, you know, all the mountain bikers knew that that was super important and we definitely capitalized it on it. Uh, my my favorite memory from the race, I think, was after we did the start, the first single track, and then we descended down into the first feed zone. We had established a group. It was, you know, all mountain bikers, and everyone looked around, saw this, and it was just like, a lot of satisfaction and then everyone was keen to work we were it was just game on let's do this uh and and then we sent it it was awesome uh i finished up fifth overall at that race fourth in the grand prix so pretty tight to the front and it definitely definitely helped helped with points and you know you never know uh in a six race series you never know how it's all going to play out so yeah kind of have to grab every every spot you you can get yeah those those single spots ended up being pretty crucial particularly for you at the end of the year like at the last race you went up from ninth overall to sixth um but yeah every every single spot counted and i don't think we predicted that at the outset but yeah sea otter this year that was the 10 year anniversary of when we met so pretty special uh and i i know too you talk about a lot of the time well when we're at sea otter you always bring it up that when you were 14 year old dreaming about being a professional cyclist you would open magazines and see photos of pros at sea otter and see these incredible vistas of ribbons of single track running through these green fields and it's kind of cool that um you get to do that now which i don't know if you've reflected on that but i often do and it makes me feel very proud that you had the tenacity to get to this point in your career I <laughs> I don't know if you want me to tell the whole world but you went through like going into credit card debt to make this happen hitchhiking to races sometimes you went through a lot of trials that you know a lot of a lot of aspiring cyclists didn't have to so it's pretty cool that where you're at um but yeah let's stop getting too emotional and we'll move on to round two so Round two, what was that was unbound actually. So why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about what your favorite aspect of Unbound was? Not necessarily the race, but just the whole the whole thing. I think to be honest, my favorite part was the whole thing. Like everything about Unbound, this the scale of it, the start, the mayhem, the 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 vastness of the space we were racing through, uh, the beauty, to be honest, I found it extremely beautiful out there. Uh, 
and yeah, kind of kind of all of it. And obviously the distance. It's it is a mega day on a bike and somehow uh I I woke up that day and I was in a really good headspace and the time on the bike or the distance never really phased me the whole day. Even when I was, you know, popped from the lead group with 150k to go, I remember looking down at my Wahoo and seeing that uh but it and processing it but it i didn't really bother me which was you know a pretty unique experience but yeah just just the whole thing and i i learned so much at that race made lots of mistakes and really cannot wait to go back and give it another crack because it it is it is truly a you know, a monument of this whole gravel, gravel racing thing. Yeah. For me, Unbound, well, I remember when you had, you, you got an entry a few years ago and you had to defer it because of COVID. And I remember talking to you and being like, why would you ever want to do that? It is so dumb. It's so long. It's just, that is just well into the realm of crazy town. And I ended up loving it. So I don't know if that just makes me crazy or if there's something about it that I was just wrong. Um, I'm kind of like, I'm a nerd, but thinking about it, I'm reminded of, uh, it, it brings to mind the this quote from Harry Potter in the first movie where Ollivander is describing uh, Voldemort's want. And he says that he did terrible, but great things with it. <laughs> and, and it's true, like not necessarily great in, in a good way, but great as in this massive, huge, thing and I didn't know that I was capable of something that big so that's the that's the coolest thing about Unbound for me but uh also again ending up riding with Sarah Sturm for the vast majority of the day well linking up about two hours in and then spending most of the day together but yeah you really do enter a meditative state there where time stops meaning anything you we went through like every kind of weather you could get every yeah it was just I don't know. It was a lesson in presence. And I don't think it would, I, I think I understand why ultra marathoners do what they do because you definitely, it's not a replicable state of being really in, in regular life. Um, but yeah, we both had decent rides there. Uh, and then, then we moved on, I guess it, it, it was a natural break in our season where we got to do a little bit of training and, um, yeah, I think after Unbound, we kind of got ready for Crusher in the Tusher. Yeah, after Unbound, uh, we we spent a week at home, kind of really paid attention to that recovery because, I mean, that that was definitely a beast. And, and then it was right into a three-week altitude block to, to train for Tusher and then a few of the other altitude races during the year. We spent three weeks at uh 2300 meters in big bear lake california and yeah it definitely it definitely set us up really well for for crusher and the tusher my favorite memory from crusher and the tusher is honestly the the place we stayed in uh we didn't stay in beaver utah i think it was about half an hour away in milford utah and it was just this very unique hotel that 
had a diner sort of in the in the center of it. Let's be honest. It was not a hotel. It was at best a motel. Okay. It's a motel. Uh, we checked in at the diner. Drew and I shared several meals there. Pancakes the size of plates. Table syrup. Very authentic, you know, uh, ex- you know, small town experience. Loved it. Uh, and yeah, Good, good memories from that one. Yeah, Tusher, I mean, that was my only win of the season um, or my only single race win of the season. So obviously I am biased, but it was also the only event where we got, that's not true. It was the only gravel event where the women got our own start. And that, I loved that. It changed the, it changed the flow of the race so much and it made it a lot more tactical. And I really, really enjoyed actually getting to race head to head on drop bar bikes, um, instead of just being like lost in the crush of a thousand men at the beginning. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, it it was a climber's course and though I don't actually know if I like to climb, I think I'm relatively good at it and it played to my strengths. Um, yeah, so we left crusher. I'm not sure what place you had moved up to in the rankings, but I had, I think I'd rolled into second at that time. So Sophia was still leading, but, um, the overall was kind of within reach and that was getting a little bit exciting in a way. Just back to Tusher before we move on. Uh, I think, you know, Haley and I both being sea level people, those, those rides there were, I mean, we were both quite proud of, of what we were able to do. Uh, you know, Haley going up against riders that, you know, live at altitude full time. And, uh, it was a really cool experience to put in that work at altitude and, kind of see the benefits of it pretty quick uh another highlight from tusher was just the post-race meal and kind of uh beers that they had on the go and you know all the all the pros that were racing this and and a lot of the other riders too just kind of hung out after the race ate exchanged stories and yeah just really that the vibe of that race was was awesome after Crusher, we we ended up going pretty much straight into a, a heinous race block. I think we... Did we go straight to Europe from Crusher? Yeah. yeah so we did, we did Crusher, then we did a World Cup in Andorra, then we had Nationals, then we had Snowshoe World Cup, then we had Mont, Mont St. Anne World Cup, which I actually sat out um, because I was just on fumes at that point. And then the next weekend we had Leadville. So I had made the decision not to race St. Anne in the hopes of salvaging Leadville. And it it worked. I finished third. But (laughs) again, only because of like riding in close proximity to Sarah, she ended up getting taken out by a cow. Um, So (laughs) which is so ridiculous. If you didn't hear about that, you should go uh, revisit Sarah's Instagram. Um, but yeah, again, we were riding so close together in the same vicinity. And I think I only had about a minute, minute and a half on her at the end of a seven and a half hour race. So virtually the same. Um, oh my God, that was the most dead I've ever been on two wheels. The last five kilometers were just so terrible. I was like hallucinating. Kelsey Urban was there on the side cheering for me, but I couldn't even get my brain or get my body to obey my brain to acknowledge her like I just could not function uh but I came away with 
a pretty cool result and it's like big belt buckle and a bottle of whiskey and, and it's a cool trophy from Leadville. So it was a fun experience. Um, but yeah, that one has left me a little bit scarred and I feel like you're probably in the same boat, Leslie. Yeah, that was a, that was a gnarly day on the bike. I, I'm used to having a rough, you, you have a few rough days a year in an XCO and it's rough, but it's over in 90 minutes. That's it. This was the same as that, but it lasted for seven hours. And yeah, it was definitely a grind. Did my best, but, you know, racing straight through from Tusher, traveling to Europe, two World Cups, national champs. It was it was just too much. And uh, yeah, ended up with a rough one, but lots of learning there. And yeah, kind of kind of interested in that race somehow and interested in trying to figure it out because I did not not figure it out this year and who knows maybe I don't know haven't chatted with Haley about this but uh maybe lead boat would you do lead boat yeah I do lead boat for sure if I mean, we didn't do it because we had to go straight to straight to the East Coast for some XCO racing at home, um, just like five days later, uh, which was hilarious trying to race a short track five days after Leadville was terrible. Um, but anyways, I digress. Yeah, I would do lead boat for sure if if we didn't have to be ready for something the next weekend. I you and I have both always loved stage racing, and I think that really suits our strengths actually is uh, being strong on day two. Uh, the biggest challenge for that for me would actually be getting my gut to rebound. Um, and I know from talking to the other girls, that's something they struggle with in these long races is that you just have your body kind of freaks out and loses the ability to properly absorb calories by the end of these efforts. And then it takes a few days for you to like normalize and be able to eat properly again. So I'd love to do lead boat, but I would be, I'd be pretty scared of that second day. Totally. And I think you just mentioning that just reminds me of what a learning curve, you know, fueling for these races has been. It's kind of unlike anything I've ever done before. And yeah, it's been, I haven't quite figured it out yet. And I'm just going to try to keep working on it and hopefully I can nail things down a little better for 23, but yeah, it is It is a major part of these races, just getting calories in, getting carbs in, and just fueling fueling these efforts because they're, they're big and they're long. Yeah, and there's lots of science, too, that on like actually absorption. So it's not just about getting the calories in. It's about getting your gut, your gut to use the calories you give, the, you give it, um, which is a challenge. And that's why you have to train your gut in training. So we did pretty well with that in the lead up to Unbound. We did some some really big weeks. We did, I guess we did two and a half weeks in a row, three weeks in a row after those World Cups in, in Europe and um, we're able to prepare pretty well. But yeah, it's a puzzle that probably neither of us have figured out exactly yet. Um, but yeah, after, I mean, after Leadville, I don't, I, was I leading? I think I was maybe leading the series at that point or maybe one point off Sophia. I can't remember. Um but we did some really cool stuff after that. We we had earlier in the year moved into our first house together. So we got to spend some actual time at home. I got to go on vacation with my mom and my sister. We went and did Rebecca's Private Idaho, which was not part of the Grand Prix, but was an amazing event that 
both of us highly recommend. Um, I started school again. So in that interim period, I went back to start my master's degree and then we ended up at Schwamigan. For some reason, even Schwamigan feels like a long time ago. Uh, yeah, that was that was a really fun, fun weekend. Uh, I'd never, none, neither of us, have you been to Wisconsin? Okay, I, I had never been to Wisconsin. It's kind of like Ontario, very beautiful. Uh, we stayed right on a lake. It was gorgeous, got some good swims in. Uh, if you haven't heard, that's a you know one of my key goals uh, when I'm moving about this world is just finding cool places to swim. So that was great. Uh, Schwamigan was an insane race. Uh, we had thunderstorms just before the start. Everyone was on dry tires. It was wild. Uh, and yeah, just a, a very, very cool event. Uh, and looking forward again, all these races looking forward to going back because awesome experiences mostly made mistakes at all these races and uh maybe that's the nature of the beast who knows but uh yeah doing these races all for the first time there's just there's things you have to experience before you can really you know really nail them down uh but yeah schwamigan one of my medium results for the series i think i finished up about 10th uh but yeah, happy to be happy to be in there and uh Yeah, I think I mean I maybe should wait until we finish the recap to to touch on this. But coming from XEO World Cup into this, it's like having new life breathed into you. It's and there's XEO World Cups are super special as well and it all depends on what your goals are and what mindset you're bringing into it, but this type of racing has it just has something that XEOs don't in it. I don't know if it's the mass participation or if it's that there is time in these races to take a breath. So you get to interact with the people you're around and you get to appreciate the awesomeness of what you're doing together. Uh, but it, it is, it's just, they're just different. And I think you and I are both ending this year feeling a lot more fulfilled. And I think for the first time, I actually understand why people like to ride bikes who do it not as a career, not as a means to get to the Olympics or, you know, get on a World Cup podium. Like, I actually think I understand bikes now and I understand why they're cool. And I didn't have that before. And I guess Schwamigan is just, that was one of the ones that really vibed with me because it was a mountain bike event and I felt at home in the woods. And um, yeah, it's just, they're just, they're festivals and they're, it's a really cool environment to push yourself in uh so that aside or i guess um because of that we ended up at the last race of the year in a pretty good spot it seemed like maybe a lot of people were you know inching towards a bit of a burnout at the end of the year but you and i both felt pretty pretty good heading into big sugar totally i think i think a lot of riders actually struggled with the the length of this series the length of the whole season and i honestly didn't it didn't really bother me that much i think i still had quite a bit of energy going into the end and i you know we've we've done these series before um and we've done series is if that's a word is series is a word no okay series 
series. We've done series where uh, they're a lot more homogeneous. So like the racing is is all the same and this series is no race is the same. So uh, that variety helps helps a ton. And yeah, like Haley said, we we came into Big Sugar in, in pretty good shape. Haley was leading the series and I was sitting top nine (laughs) top nine i was sitting in ninth place and uh you know striking distance to uh to a few places up so it was kind of all to race for at big sugar yeah i mathematically all all i had to do well it wasn't all inside of my control if either Sarah or Sophia won the race and I placed worse than fifth, then then one of them would take the overall. Uh, but about halfway through the race, after some serious uh, focus on optimism and being present on my part, I managed to catch back up to Sarah and then we caught back up to Sophia who had been up the road. So once that happened and we knew that there were still a few other girls ahead, uh, it became kind of clear that I would probably, I probably would win the series. And not that that was my, like, it is a goal, but it wasn't my focus, if that makes sense. Um, but it meant that the rest of the race, I just kind of got to ride free and ride hard. And so I got to like do as much work for the group as I possibly could and, um, sit in the wind as much as I could kind of as it felt like a bit of a thank you to my comrades for, helping me find the love of bikes again or first for the first time ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, so my results at big sugar wasn't great. I think I finished 13th, but I just felt so happy after that race because of just the whole year. Not, I mean, it, it's cool to win the, it's cool to win the grand prix, but more than that, it's just, it's cool to be a part of this and to be a member of this community. And I really appreciated that. Um, I can say this now because the season's over, but you and I made it, Lesbie, you and I made it through without any flats and. I, I dropped my chain once. <laughs> Lesbie dropped his chain once, but he was able to pedal it back on. Uh, so, I mean, that was like pretty much unheard of amongst the other racers. We had like, we just had a mechanical free year and that's a huge testament to the gear that we're riding, but also our mechanic drew who you get to hear from in this episode as well. Uh, yeah, totally that. I mean, we're only talking about this. The season's done. Uh, hopefully we're not cursed for next year, but, uh, we're knocking wood here. Don't worry. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was really helpful. We never had to chase back due to a mechanical and it, it made things roll pretty smoothly. And, Honestly, when you think about these races, you think about Unbound, Big Sugar, those are tire slicing courses. And yeah, we made good decisions with our tires. We have good equipment from Maxxis. Uh, We both ran the same setup at Big Sugar as Unbound. It was basically, we ran the Unbound setup at at Big Sugar, which was 60 60 TPI Ramblers, 40C, uh, Haley. Haley actually ran a 45 up front for a little more control, which was a solid move. And yeah, and we also ran Tannis, Tannis Armor inserts, which uh, 
definitely save me a couple times out there. You'd hit something hard and you'd you'd wait you'd wait three seconds and you're like, okay, I guess I squeaked through on that one. Uh, so, you know everything. Uh, obviously bikes, the the Ibis Haka, uh, and and our XC that we race at the mountain bike races, uh, and drivetrains, everything. Yeah, and I guess I mean we're very lucky to have had that support. I I mean this is the first year for Maxis Factory Racing in its revamped form, and um, at least for me, I mean they hired me after pretty much the worst year of my career. So they, I feel like they were taking a chance on me and, but Drew just had belief in us the whole year. And I think that he he had belief in us, but he didn't put pressure on us. And that enabled us to have some great experiences and some really good racing and just super grateful for the whole crew, the whole team, the whole, all of the team sponsors. It was, it was just an awesome year. And I mean, we're in our off season right now. We'll take, Lesbian and I both take kind of two weeks off of um, structured training. We might ride if we feel like it. We went on our, out on our big bikes today, but for the most part, not riding and before we ease back into things. Um, but I I already am very excited for next year and that's a cool place to to be, to not feel like you are trashed and need to put your bike away for a month. So leaving the, se- the season feeling really grateful excited and motivated and uh, i hope that you guys have all enjoyed being on this ride with us yeah honestly one of the highlights of this series was actually producing this podcast it it was a it was an opportunity to have pretty intimate conversations with a lot of the a lot of the riders that uh that took part in this series and that honestly did quite well uh and just to just to kind of connect with them on another another level. Obviously, we see see them at the races, but uh, yeah, this was this is a great opportunity. Thank you so much to Maxis uh, for for supporting this podcast, to for for making it happen, um, and to my co-host Haley. Uh, definitely out speaking me uh most of the time but uh i i crush you on the back end with the editing because you don't do that so yeah that was our deal when we started this podcast was i will do it with you lesby if you don't make me do any work <laughs> uh but yeah all, all jokes aside i i don't know lesby seems to think that i speak well over the mic but i i'm very uncomfortable on the mic actually so uh, I don't know if you guys have picked up on that throughout this year, but I get I get a little bit of nervous sweat going on when I have to do these podcasts. So uh, I hope my suffering was worth it, and I hope you enjoyed it. We're not sure where uh, off road inroads will go in the future. This is the end for now, but uh, over the winter we'll be brainstorming, figuring out what what we want this to do, uh, what what we want this to be, and. Uh, who knows? Maybe you'll see us back in 23. Yeah, I don't think you've heard The Last of Us. You definitely haven't seen The Last of Us. So I hope you guys all have a great winter. Enjoy some time off your bikes and we'll catch you when the snow stops flying. Just before we dip, I also just want to say thank you to all our guests that came on the show this season. We had, uh, I'm not going to list them all now, but 
some awesome people. Go back, listen to the other episodes. In the If you're in the dead of winter, you're riding the trainer, you want some inspiration for 23, go back, listen to these episodes and see what these races are all about. And I mean, honestly, one of the beauty things about this racing we did, this Lifetime Grand Prix series, all these races are races that you can sign up for. So, so just do it. Set a set a goal for yourself. Set a set a big challenge. Train, and uh, we both hope to see you there. Exactly. We're out. Thanks, everyone.